Hey folks, welcome back ooh, to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium. I hope you won't hate me for that. But this is our Azerbaijan GP preview episode. And on this episode, there's a ton to talk about. About Firstly, Sergio Perez's double-double. Will we end up seeing him actually win the two races in a year, firstly? And the two races in a row at Baku as well. That's going to be a major talking point. And also, we have to talk about Mercedes and which Mercedes actually ends up appearing in Baku this weekend. Also, two special segments will be a part of this episode. Firstly, one from F1 Stats Guru, who will give us a stats preview of this particular Grand Prix. And Aditya Bhatt, the Instagram sensation, will be on this particular episode and trying to explain us the challenges of the castle section. But all of that and more is to come. Firstly, we shall take a quick break and be right back in a second. Hey folks, welcome back in. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of The Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar, joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. And this circuit, Kunal, I just absolutely love it. For me, I mean, considering the weather right now in India, it seems the most equivalent to a watermelon juice in a way. It's just power-packed, punchy, sweet, and there's no disadvantages to it. I mean, what really is bad about Baku per se? It's never given us a bad race. If you consider that Baku started from 2017, 2016, that just didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that introduction, Samuel. Baku, well done, Baku. And well done, Samuel. I really loved that introduction, right? Welcome, Baku, right? But talking about Baku, I think, you know, Baku is just how you would like your street circuits to be. Right. You'll hear this in various places. All the teams will say it's a mix of Monaco and Monza. I liked how Damon Hill put it. He said it's Monaco, but with a really long straight. Right. And at the end of the day, I think Baku is a sensational addition to the Formula One calendar. And the one stat which we will hear the most all through the weekend is that Baku has never seen a repeat pole sitter nor has it seen a repeat race winner. And, of course, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc have never finished on the podium here, two of our title protagonists, right? And their best finish has been only a fourth position. So I expect these two stats to literally be the highlight of the weekend. Yeah, it's ridiculous how luck or just kind of performance play has played out for them. And seriously, this circuit canal has produced so many other memories. And all the way through, I think the biggest characteristic has to be that long straight. But when you have that long straight, on the other hand, you have the castle section. It's, as you rightly put it, the perfect street circuit if you could ever have one. But it's produced so many great memories. Which one stands out the most for you? And it's ridiculous that in only six years, we have so many to choose from, actually. We actually have a lot to choose from. And, you know, the castle section, a very interesting uh, fact that Mercedes uh, shared is that, uh, you know, in the old town, like most old towns have cobblestones, and that gets relayed every year to cover up the cobblestones and make it Grand Prix ready. And that's what the castle section, and it's called the Icheri Sheher town section if i if i remember correctly i had to actually write that down so i pronounce it correctly but my earliest memories of uh, baku apart from charles leclerc's i am stupid crash that we saw in his first year at ferrari you know the one big standout has to be fernando alonso doing a moto gp in a formula one car i think it was 2018 when he had two wheels on his (laughs) wagon (laughs) <laughs> two wheels on his wagon after the opening lap and he actually drove that car back all the way into the pits 
Then, of course, there is uh, Lewis Hamilton's uh, magic or no magic button from last year. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo's three-car overtake. And, you know, I was really gunning for this, but, you know, uh, Fettel accusing Hamilton of brake testing him. That also has to stand out for me, Samuel. Oh, yeah, that was some race. And and one of my memories has to come from that one as well, which is Valtteri Bottas and Lance Stroll fighting each other on the line for the podium slots in 2017. Shifts, because this is what Formula 1 should be like. And one of the most craziest issues to actually end up losing a race, Hamilton's headdress coming off. There's that. And who can forget... Verstappen and Bottas's punctures. Of course, different years for both of them. But for Verstappen in 2021, that was such a mighty moment. And just imagine what would have happened if that puncture didn't even happen. Would we get to see Abu Dhabi and the controversy? Because Verstappen would have a big points lead per se. But then, would Hamilton actually have kind of been so far so far back off? Because then he would be in second. There would be no restart. There would be no magic button moment as well. Crazy. It's ridiculous. Six years Kunal Baku has had on the F1 calendar. And there's already, what, a dozen memories. I just get a feeling that this year we're going to add at least a couple more on. I, well, I think it's going to be definitely more than a couple of more memories. Because there's just some different level of excitement around Baku. And, you know, I love the whole uh, engineering challenge it throws towards the teams as well. You know, the Monaco-type closed sections requires, you know, higher downforce levels. But then you have the the 2.2-kilometer-odd-long straight, which sort of needs the Monza kind of setting. So, you know, teams are always looking at risk versus reward and all the, all the sort of... Uh, trade-offs that they would make uh, with regards to getting uh, performance you know and we've seen for example it was last year uh, where the Red Bulls actually had uh, better tire uh, life than than Mercedes and they could actually jump uh, Lewis Hamilton for the lead of the race and so on so various strategies that will come into play as well but Samuel why don't we also look at some of the stories that will sort of dictate uh, you know, this weekend, starting from Friday, and I've listed them down. The most obvious story has to be Alfa Romeo and their troubled Fridays. I think four out of seven races that they had troubled Fridays, but they've sort of clawed it back together, had very good races on the Sunday. So that's something to look forward to, I would say. And uh, if I may also add, uh, you know, uh, Williams were caught in breach of the financial regulations in 2021. Uh, they paid a 25,000 US dollars. And why am I saying all of this? Because it's the first time these financial regulations are being sort of, you know, they made a debut in Formula One and they're being policed. And actually, Williams didn't spend more money than what the budget cap needed them to. They just forgot to file documentation or they had difficulties in filing documentation. And I expect this to become a big discussion point, uh, given how, you know, Ferrari is already saying that, you know, the way, Red Bull have been developing their car. They probably blowed 70% of the budget and so on. So there is going to be some bit of discrepancy in how teams do their reporting and how, you know, the reporting for 2022 will happen by 31st of March, 2023. So could, you know, could there be some sort of a loophole, which, you know, teams always love to exploit. So lots of stories around this that I expect to come out on Friday, Sommel. But actually, I just want to talk about Williams for a second more, because $25,000, what is that? Pocket change? Is that even enough to kind of discourage a team to put their documents on time? Uh, really, I mean, I, I, I've got to wonder, right? Penalties should be stricter regardless of who you are. 
And of course, it's not that the penalty was $25,000 only because if it was Williams. But the point is, it, it seems like too little to impact a Formula 1 team's budget per se. So there's that. But yeah, at least it's not Williams blowing away their entire budget, which seems to be the popular misconception on all the WhatsApp groups, strangely enough. But you mentioned Alfa Romeo Canal. I want to talk about them for a second because they're going to have a fresh new livery, which looks like the Tricolore of Italy. Of it- oh, wait, Italy. Wow, I've butchered that pronunciation, haven't I? But it looks like the Tricolor. Have you seen it? What are your thoughts on it? Because I think they, for, for the sake of a sponsor, they've kind of taken away the entire beauty of that Alfa Romeo car. And it just looks, not that the Italian flag looks bad, but just the, it looks awkward on the design. Again, a thing to look forward to, but not so much in my mind. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by car liveries because I don't really care too much about them. You know, you could put like a fully black carbon fiber car and I'd still love it as much. But yeah, car liveries are always interesting to look forward to. And this is exactly why they changed the livery, right? For a sponsor, for all the discussion points that come around it, the conversations that are happening around it. But let's move on to Saturday. You know, qualifying, it's going to be interesting. Uh, It's, again, one of those circuits where, uh, you know, qualifying doesn't define uh, what your race is going to look like because the race is fairly open with a lot of overtaking opportunities, a lot of strategy opportunities as well. But the key learning from the last couple of years is that qualifying doesn't always end within 60 minutes. There are red flag sessions and other stoppages that happen. I think last year we ran for close to two hours, which means that on Saturday, we're probably going to get twice uh, the more buck for our, uh, you know, twice the more bang for our buck come the qualifying hour. It should be called the qualifying hour into two. You missed out on a pun, Kunal. You could have said more bang for a Baku. But hey, whatever. I, I'm just on a pun mission today. But no, you're right about that. Qualifying in Baku does tend to be quite crazy. I mean, think of it. 12 months ago, Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari in a midfield team actually ended up taking ball position here. So it genuinely is a ridiculously crazy track. And the toe Kunal is going to be crazy because we discussed this point before the recording went on about this Sergio Perez actually titled contender. I think the first signs of it could genuinely come if Red Bull ask him to give the toe on the final run to Max Verstappen, because that'll completely reveal Red Bull Racing's approach in that sense. You're right. You know, the whole Checo Perez uh, not being or being in the title fight could be just the next race away, you know, giving a toe to Max Verstappen or again, asking to be, you know, asking to make way for Max Verstappen, right? So we'll see how the whole Checo Perez thing goes. But talking of qualifying still, you know, Tire warm-up is always a challenge. So the sequence that we saw, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc complain about in Monaco, the sequence of when you go out for your qualifying laps will also sort of uh, matter. Uh, The tire warm-up is a challenge, again, like I explained earlier in the show, that, you know, the resurfacing that happens annually sort of is one of the reasons. But the beauty is that it's actually a really long lap as opposed to Monaco. So teams are able to sort of work around and the drivers are able to bring more energy, uh, more heat uh, into the tires. And again, given the whole nature of the circuit, you know, all the 90 degree sections and so on, you don't you, you rely on more braking energies to drive heat into the tires. Now, I know I'm getting technical, but just some things to look forward to on Saturday. Right. And uh Red Bull Racing have never had pole here, right? So that would be uh, that would be fun to see if a Red Bull Racing car could it be, you know, Checo Perez who could take pole position. Who knows? And hopefully it is because we all want to see that happening. But you mentioned a very interesting subject, Kunal, that I want to talk about tires because. 
In Baku, heat tends to be a big, big thing over there. And we have seen a couple of critical punctures happening at key moments in races. As I mentioned previously, for Valtteri Bottas back in 2018, Max Verstappen back in 2021. Yes, the tyres are different. Yes, the... The, the the circumference of the rims are now different, but still, generally, that could be a threat as well. Bursting tires, and that's happened consistently at Baku now for years, especially on uh, race day, Samuel. So you know, talking of what to look forward to, hopefully not that we look forward to tire failures, especially late race tire failures, and what uh, you know how it sort of impacted race uh, results and so on. So let's hope that that doesn't happen come uh, come Sunday, but. You know, like I said, uh, Red Bull have never had pole here. Ferrari has never has a race win here as well. So could that change this Sunday finally? Because Samuel, overall, the whole question has to be, uh, you know, which is actually the quicker car? Is it the Ferrari uh, or is it the Red Bull racing car? Because, you know, everybody brought upgrades to Spain, but we saw that Spain had a skewed result, you know, Charles, of course, had his car failure and then Max had had a spin. So it sort of nullified. We didn't really get to see if the Red Bull could match up to the upgraded Ferrari. And then Monaco is always an outlier in terms of performance. So could Baku also help us reveal a little bit more in terms of which car is actually quicker, Samuel? That's going to be something to look forward to this weekend. You're so right about that. That's going to be so intriguing, along with where Mercedes stack up as well. But we shall get to Mercedes in more depth a bit later on. But I actually want to take you folks to a special segment on this episode. It's one where we have Aditya Bhatt, the Instagram sensation, who's going on explaining the basics of F1 extremely well. And today what we're going to discuss is the Baku circuit and the challenges that it brings about, especially in terms of setup and the castle section. So, you know what? Let's actually head to him and listen to more on exactly how that works out. I am stupid. I am stupid. That's not just me after the recent crypto crash, but also Charles Leclerc on the radio after his crash in the castle section at the 2019 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We've seen a fair few crashes here and the obvious conclusion is, I mean, yeah, of course, look how tight it is. But is it just that? Let's talk about it. I'm Aditya Bhatt and welcome to Formula 1 Tech Explained. When you look at the Baku circuit map, what do you see? I see the longest, widest straight in Formula 1, a bunch of other very fast straights and 90 degree corners. But then there's the castle section and the exit out of it. I'm talking turns 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. If you pull up an aerial view of the track, this section almost looks a bit of an anomaly. A very tight, twisty set of low-speed corners with absolutely no room for error on a track that is otherwise mostly an expressway in downtown Baku. If you cut out the castle section from Baku and control c control v it into Monaco, it would fit right in, wouldn't it? As a Formula 1 team, when you think car set up for Baku, you're thinking high top speed, low drag, low downforce. You optimize for the majority of the track. You optimize for that top-end straight-line speed on the long straights. But what happens when you arrive at the castle section in a car that's set up for the exact opposite purpose? When you're pushing, let's say on a quali lap, in a car with essentially zero downforce, and you're arriving where? Right into this unforgiving low-speed high downforce section. This is all theory and speculation, of course, but honestly... I'm actually very impressed that more drivers don't crash here more often. Thank you so much for your time. I've been Aditya Bhatt at Bhatt.tech on Instagram and I'll see you on the next one. 
Now, that's generally such an important point, Kunal, because at the castle section, we've seen big drivers like Charles Leclerc end up making major mistakes, and it must be such a tricky task in these new modern Formula 1 cars, which are now wider, longer. Essentially, the dimensions are just ridiculous for them. And he's right about it. If you take this section and put it into Monaco, it wouldn't look out of place. But speaking of Monaco and speaking of things that don't look out of place, Sergio Perez at street circuits recently has looked very, very, very comfortable. And he could be on for a very big achievement of sorts, kind of essentially doing a double-double in a way, where he ends up winning two consecutive Baku Grand Prix and two consecutive races in 2022. And we spoke about it a second ago, about the tour and Red Bull Racing's perception of what Sergio Perez really is, and that could be uncovered on Saturday. But let's be honest, this year he's looked far better. He could be in for a chance. He's just not shied away from anything this year. He's not shied away from anything. He's just recently signed a two-year extension. He's only 15 points away from Max Verstappen. So, you know, that's close enough for Red Bull to still wholeheartedly back Max Verstappen. But hey, it's Max Verstappen. You know, you never know. It's it's tough to bet against Max Verstappen. I mean, if Max could go up against Lewis Hamilton and win, uh, you know, I don't know how many people would bet that Charles, uh, sorry, Sergio Perez could have a match for Max Verstappen come through the period of the season. But like we said in this, you know, episode before as well, that uh, just the fact that Checo Perez is here, despite being uh, the genuine number two driver. And I know a lot of people have written to me saying, how do I know he's a number two driver? Has Red Bull come out and said he's a number two driver? No, they've not. But just their actions prove that he is treated as a number two driver when it comes to upgrades, when it comes to strategy and so on, right? And uh, I would love to see Checo Perez do well. The, there's another interesting statue. So Red Bull have the same number of podiums at Baku as Force India does, right? And all of these podiums scored by Red Bull and Force India have been scored by Checo Perez. And, you know, if Monaco was anything to go by, it was one. It was the first time in his career that Checo Perez outpaced Max Verstappen in every session through the weekend. I'm talking of free practices, I'm talking of qualifying, and then I'm talking of the race as well. Yes, I know what happened in qualifying. Please don't give me a reminder of that. But <laughs> just saying how the record books are going to read uh, for ta- for the time to come, Samal. Hang on a moment. You're right. Sergio Perez is the master of Baku in a way. So it seems like the onus is on him to deliver. But I think the same can be said about Charles Leclerc as well. Because as you mentioned early on, He's never had a big result over here. Neither has Max Verstappen, but that could have been very different last year. But the point is, Leclerc got pole position last year. Could he get another pole right here once again? Of course, he's been on a bit of a trend. He got pole position in Monaco as well, Spain too. So this realistically would represent a bit of momentum on for him. But let's be honest, Ferrari now are the team in focus in a way. And we should kind of be talking about them in the eight sleep drivers in focus because both Leclerc and Carlos Sainz the ball is now in their court. They essentially have dropped the ball in the last couple of races. How do they pick up and run with it? That's going to be the major factor. And Ferrari, of course, kind of lost it out for, for, for Leclerc last time out. This time out, there's there's no running away or no hiding because essentially now they are second. They are the ones catching up. And any mistake here essentially means that Ferrari would be a long way back down and they just can't afford it at this stage. You know, I think we should put Ferrari in the eighth sleep 
themes in focus, even though we don't yeah. really have a segment by that name. No, but Somal, you're right. You know, Ferrari have no hiding. Uh, one of the questions that we keep, keep discussing as well is, Ferrari have the car to win the championship. Do they really have the team to win the championship finally when they sort of have the car to win the championship? But yes, Leclerc and his pole position run is fantastic. If he scores pole on Saturday, he would actually have more poles than Max Verstappen. And it would be his fourth consecutive pole position of the season. And only three drivers have scored poles. Uh, it's Charles, it's uh, Max with one, and Checo Perez with one as well. And another interesting thing, uh, the, the power unit that failed uh, in Charles's car is actually going to be used in Baku. Uh, the team has tested it and they believe it's going to be fine. So that's something that's always going to be uh, to look out for as opposed to, uh, as for Carlos Sainz, let's hope that, uh, you know, Monaco was the was the sort of trigger that he needed to have an upswing in results as they would come. The other two drivers that I would sort of add to this list is Pierre Gasly, you know, with uh, Checo Perez's... Uh, uh, two-year extension with Red Bull Racing. Gasly has nowhere to go. And Helmut Marco has said that he's more more or less going to just re-sign Gasly and Sunoda for Alpha Tauri for 2023. Now, would no. something like this work? Yeah, would something like this work against Pierre Gasly's confidence? I mean, he's been delivering the goods. He's had a you know few bad races this season, but a lot more than more about luck than performance, right? So how would Gasly feel knowing that he may have, he may well have an Alpha Tauri for another two seasons, and uh, and so on, right? So that's that's one driver, and then uh, there's Lewis Hamilton uh, on the list, Sommel. So Lewis Hamilton trails George Russell by thirty four points, and Hamilton has been beaten by George Russell in the race at every race since the opening round in Bahrain. So that's six races on the trot, Sommel. That's right. And that is just the big inequality at Mercedes right now. It, it, it's ridiculous how things are playing out. But uh, racefans.net actually did a really fun analysis on exactly what's gone wrong. And realistically, they claim that on pace, Hamilton was only really down in Imola. I mean, everywhere else, there were external factors that kind of impacted his race. Like in Saudi, there was the setup change. In Barcelona, of course, there was the impact with Kevin Magnussen that really skewed up the results. But it's interesting because we have to talk about which Mercedes and which Lewis Hamilton we'll get this time out. But before we do so, I suppose it's time to go in the stats section. Why don't you have? Why don't you share a really fun stat with us, Kunal, before we actually go to F1 Stats Guru, who's also going to be having a special segment on this episode here. Well, the special uh, stat so that uh, people have some things to look forward to. Mercedes is the only team with no DNFs in 2022. So with that, we should now have F1 stats guru Sundaram tell us his stats preview for the Monaco Grand Prix. Sorry, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Hey, folks, it's time to do the stats preview of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I'm Sundaram, also known as the F1 stats guru on the internet. Let's talk numbers. Now, the word that's doing the rounds is unpredictability. And that's because the Azerbaijan Grand Prix has a bit of a tendency of throwing some very unpredictable races. You never know when someone's tire is going to blow out, when they're going to crash into the barriers, or when they're going to lock up and go straight into the runoff area. 
Six of the active 10 teams have already made it to the podium, including Williams and Aston Martin. The only ones missing out are Alpine, McLaren, Alfa Romeo and Haas. Uh, drivers starting from 10th on the grid have actually won the race, which is Daniel Ricciardo in 2017. And even drivers who started 6th, 7th, 8th and even 11th have finished on the podium, which actually goes to show that the top 10 has a very good chance of finishing in the podium spots and nothing is actually certain until the checkered flag drops at the end of the race. No driver has taken pole position, the race win, or even the fastest lap on more than one occasion, which actually means five races at Baku and every single time there's been someone who's taken pole position, who's won the race and who set the fastest lap time. Now, in such a scenario, who is the most successful driver around this particular track, you'd have to look at the podium's leaderboard because there you have two very interesting names, Sebastian Vettel and Sergio Perez. Both of, these, both of them have taken three podiums at Baku. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you would say that Sebastian Vettel is the most consistent driver around this particular venue. He's never finished outside the top four. And if he does that this time again, he's going to set the internet ablaze. One person who's actually missing out on all the fun is Max Verstappen. He's never finished on the podium at Baku. Uh, he's had a couple of DNFs at this venue and he came very, very close last year, but suffered a puncture towards uh, the end of the race in very weird circumstances. And I always save the best for the last. Now, if you consider all the street circuits that have had a minimum of two races since 2017, uh, Monaco has an average overtake rate of 3.2 overtakes per race. Uh, Australia has seen around 11. Azerbaijan has seen a whopping 40 overtakes on an average every time F1 comes to this particular track, which goes to show again, like I mentioned, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I'll say it one last time again, unpredictability. If you can actually go ahead and guess the podiums, what it actually looks like, and if, if it's actually correct, give yourself a pat on the back. That's the stats preview. I'm Sundaram, F1 Stats Guru on the internet. I'll see you guys later. And that, folks, was F1 Stats Guru Sundaram, always on point with the stats. And, and it's amazing that we are able to get such high-quality stats on the show every single time. I, I just love listening to him, and I hope that you enjoy this episode and his particular segments as much as we do. But we have to get back to our discussion about Mercedes, Kunal, because we popped up this question, which Mercedes will we see this weekend? We discussed it early on in the episode that Mercedes have been kind of unrepresentative in terms of their package because Spain offered something, Monaco offered something else. It didn't quite let us see which Mercedes, uh, what is the real performance of Mercedes, I mean to say. But Baku, in a way, should be a lot more representative per se. What do you reckon happens with them? Because long straights, one has to wonder that porpoising could well be another issue, not just for Mercedes, but for most other teams as well. For most other teams as well. Kevin Magnussen has said, you know, his neck issue took longer to solve because of porpoising. And Mercedes said after Barcelona that their porpoising issues had been solved and they'd found a fix for it. So Baku could just be yet another race where they sort of confirmed that hypothesis. But will they do well as, uh, uh, you know, on the circuit overall? I guess not. Because, you know, apart from the long straight, pretty much everything else is Monaco-like. And, you know, I think Mercedes probably prefer more of the high-speed corners and the high-speed uh, sections that we saw in, in Barcelona for them to do well at. So it could well be that Mercedes' next good race happens in Silverstone, where, again, the characteristics are fairly different, right? But, yes, porpoising, uh, let's see what happens with the teams and the drivers. And I really hope it's not as painful as it looks from the outside, Samuel. 
Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really physically impactful on the drivers. And one of the first drivers to actually come out and complain about it was Lewis Hamilton. And remember last year, he did show us what magic really looks like, but in the wrong form. He accidentally forgot to switch on the switch off the magic button and he eventually did, and had his dramatic moment that, that we actually voted as the ooh moment of the year on the Inside Line of One podcast uh, end of year award. So this year, I just hope he uses the right magic. That, that hopefully is just going to be the thing to watch out for for Lewis Hamilton. But uh, coming back to the other teams as well, right? Baku traditionally tends to be the place where we do get lots of outsiders as podiums in a way, where we saw Lance Stoll in 20, what was it, 2017, I suppose. Sergio Perez has been here in 2016 as well. We've seen teams that are not traditionally part of the mix end up having a big say in the final pecking order. So if anything, this could be one place where we could see a dark horse finish at the end, Kunal. We could. And, you know, seven out of 15 podium finishers have come outside the top five in Baku, which just goes to show how crazy it can be. And, you know, red flags, we saw safety cars, you know, the different stoppages and start and stop natures that we see out here actually give us that much more of an interest. And something we've seen in Baku that is safety car and the following restart could probably lead to another immediate safety car period because that's just how the nature of the circuit uh, offers its uh, its entertainment. So let's hope for a safe but a very, very fun race this weekend, Samuel. Absolutely. Which leads us on to the predictions. Who are you going to go for winning this race and for pole as well? I'm still going to keep on going for Carlos Sainz for the pole and Carlos Sainz for the win. I just want it to happen so bad. I'm kind of like manifesting it into reality. It's not working right now, but again, apparently with those things, it takes time. But Kunal, for you, is it still going to be Sainz or are you kind of putting your money on somebody else? Maybe just for the sake of an outside thought, someone like George Russell. He's always been in the top five. Baku is always crazy. Would be a good manage that. Yeah, it'd be great if Russell is able to score a win. I mean, then Formula One's really turned upon its its head, right? But I think it's I think it's gonna be Checo Perez who's gonna be up for the race win. And but I, I still think it's gonna be Charles Leclerc for pole position. His qualifying form, his one lap form is is fantastic. So I think it's Charles on Saturday and Checo Perez on the Sunday, right? And What's Max Verstappen going to do? I think Max on Friday is going to be very much quizzed about his father's comments about his, uh, you know, about Red Bull's strategy favoring Checo Perez uh, in Monaco. So he's probably going to spend a lot of his weekend explaining that. Exactly. And let's hope that we get to see the wild and the crazy things in Baku. Like, for instance, maybe a crane actually ending up hitting one of the sponsor boards or something quite like that. Or a manhole cover or something like that. Because it's Baku. Something crazy happens here every single year. And this means that this weekend could very well be very fun. But folks, thank you for watching this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. And we shall be back to... Sorry, second time I've done that today, but we shall be back uh, with a straight face for the Azerbaijan GP review right here on the Inside Line of Phone podcast and Pistaporium. See you then. Bye-bye.